Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Uh, as we were worshiping, the Holy Spirit just gave me an image today of a, um, of a war general sitting in his tent laying out a battle plan. And I feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit said, I'm handing you the message of the battle plan for your church. And so I think if you'll lean in today, if you'll have spiritual ears, receptive hearts, I think God's going to give you a battle plan for your life. And I think God's going to give you a battle plan for our church uh, in the coming days. And so uh, would you just pray this with me? Father, would you open my mind? Would you open my heart? May I be receptive? May I hear and may I do in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, will you just say that to yourself? My mind is open, my heart is ready, I receive it, I believe it, do it, Jesus. Luke chapter 21 and verse 12 is where we're going to take our attention to today. And in this setting, we've been working through a series called Family Business, working through what is the Father's business, what is uh, this thing that we do called faith all about. Why are we living for God? What are we doing about it? And uh, today, today I'm going to do a little, little deep dive on some stuff. Um, I always know uh, going into it the way that I uh, have heard from the Holy Spirit, and this is one of those Sundays that if you will listen with spiritual ears, nothing from this day forward will be the same. Nothing from this day forward will be the same. Um, Luke chapter 21 and verse 12 says it like this, but before all this occurs, what's this that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about plagues and kingdoms against kingdoms and earthquakes and famines and miracles and signs from heaven and, and all kinds of, of things. But he said, before all of this occurs, there will be a great a time of great persecution. Welcome to church this morning. Happy Sunday to you. You will be dragged before, into synagogues and prisons, which is interesting to me. He's like, you're going to be dragged into churches and then into prisons. Gee, Thanks. <laughs> And you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. In verse 13, will you read this with me? But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Great persecution, trials, oppositions, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But not a hair on, of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls." I want to work on this subject today. The opposition is the opportunity. The opposition is the opportunity. Father, thank you for the moments we have shared. Holy Spirit, breathe life and fire. Keep the spark alive in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and just tell them life is tough. Anybody, anybody agree with that? Life is hard. Life is tough. Life has moments of opposition it has I don't has anyone felt over the last few weeks just just like you're in a fight like a fight of your life you are just struggling you are dealing with opposite hands are going up all over this room so I feel like I've got a rhema now word for our church today I've, I was praying I've, I've sat up late with many of you over the last few weeks I've had many a phone calls I've had emails I've had text messages and I just feel like there is a season that we are in of just battle of, of opposition and I will tell you this today that the opposition that we are in is 
actually the opportunity for great revival. You cannot have a spark like I talked about last week without friction. You cannot have a fire unless there is some heat. You cannot have wind unless there is turbulence. By talking to someone today. See, oftentimes we think that because life is hard that we, we, we just we run out of steam. We lose the spark. And I was praying. I said, Father, what? What is it? Like, I just don't want to bring a good thought today. I want to bring a transformational message. General, what is our marching orders? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, we're dealing with spirituality, but we are not being fruitful. We believe in God. We know He exists. But the question is, where is the fruit? Where's the fruit? Last week we worked on not underestimating the power of a spark. So my question then today is, how do we keep that spark alive? And how do we turn that spark into a flame? Well, it's going to have to move from spirituality to fruitfulness. But fruitfulness cannot be produced without intentionality. Bad fruit can grow without intention. Good fruit grows because it's intentional. And if we're going to have moves of God, if we're going to see God transform our families, if we're going to see God transform our city, if we're going to see God transform our schools, if we're going to see God transform our marriages, if we're going to see God transform us, it must be done with intentionality. And I think that what we have ran into is that we have a lot of Christians or believers who, uh, who say they read their Bible or say they pray, but all they're doing is giving mental assent, but there's actually no depth to it. Reading a daily devotion is not reading your Bible. Saying a prayer at mealtime is not praying. I, I just... I. I want to be able in this year to turn up the heat until all of Rathram and beyond knows Jesus. But they're not going to know it because you read a daily devotion. And they're not going to know it because you pray over your meal. They're going to know it because we actually get into the word of God. And not just read the word of God, but allow the word of God to soak into us. Because we are actually soaking in prayer. That we are actually praying, not just saying a prayer, but we are actually praying until something moves, that heaven comes down, that heaven meets us, that heaven changes our marriage, heaven changes our life, heaven changes our job, heaven changes our school, heaven changes our kids. And so tomorrow, I just, I, I just, I, I told Pastor Jesse this week, I, I just feel a holy urgency to turn up the heat in the family business. I feel like the opposition, I feel like the battles is not by accident. I think it's intentional by the enemy because we are advancing into his kingdom. We are taking ground where he has already put strongholds. And I'll tell you right now, when the church moves forward in spiritual moves, nothing is un nothing stoppable. We move forward, it's an unstoppable church. And so tomorrow morning, I'm going to open up the church from 7 to 8. Come pray. It's not formal. There's no serve teams. There's no child care. Our band's not going to be playing. We're going to have some music in the background, but we're just going to pray. I'm, going to, I'm just going to pray. And if you want to join pastor here, I'm going to come and I'm going to pray until heaven comes down. I'm going to go to war. I'm going to go battle. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're sick in your body and you, you, just, you haven't been able to. I want to pray for you tomorrow. Maybe you're dealing with something in your, in your marriage. I want to pray for you tomorrow. Maybe you're dealing with something financial. I want to pray for you tomorrow. And then I'm going to open it up again at 7 p.m. to 7, or 8 p.m. Uh, I'm going to start in the morning, and we're going to have the evening time. And the reason why, it's not for some religious service. I just felt like the Holy Spirit really moved on me and said, if you'll do this, there is going to be a wave of revival that's going to sweep through. And if we will do this, if we will come together, and, and we're opening it up because there's some of you that you have to be at work at 7, but you're off before 7 p.m. So there's opportunities on both ends uh, for that. And we want to make sure that we as a church are praying together, not just not just mental assent, not just thinking, oh, I've, 
I'm all right, but actually getting in and praying and watching God work. See, the enemy would love to keep you in crisis mode. See, the battle and the opposition puts you into crisis. And I've seen so many believers live in crisis that they have lost the opportunity that the opposition presents. See, crisis looks like this. Psychology would tell us that these are some of the signs of a crisis, that it's the inability to perform daily tasks. It's like bathing or simply getting dressed. It's rapid mood swings. It's increased agitation, out-of-control behaviors. It's feeling low or depression, feeling burnt out, emotional outburst or uncontrollable anger, fear, helplessness or crying, not feeling like themselves or feeling detached from situations, delusional, not able to distinguish what's real from what's imagined. And if you have checked any of those boxes, you are in a spiritual crisis today. Feeling like you just can't, you're, you're, you're delusional, you're making up things, there's no real facts, you're pulling from, from random things. You, it may be, maybe it's, it's the feeling of you're just detached, you don't feel like yourself, it's helplessness, it's crying. And I'm afraid today, I'm afraid today that our faith has made us soft. That we want God to do all the heavy lifting. That we, we want God to just wave the magic wand. See, faith should not make us soft. It should make us strong. Faith should not make us emotionally unstable. It should make us fully trusting God no matter what I feel. Faith should not make us quitters. It should instill in us winners. But I'm afraid that faith, because we have just gotten so soft with our faith, we have become emotionally unstable. That everything that is, is out there just causes us to go into crisis instead of realizing that the opposition is actually the opportunity. See, see, Jesus said you're going to deal with persecutions and you're going to deal with trouble and you're going to deal with earthquakes and you're going to deal with, with, with testings of your faith and you're going to deal with trouble. But if you'll stand firm, it'll save your soul. If you will be strong in your faith. But what we've created, what we've created is emotionally unstable Christians because we're relying on faith, but we're not resting in the power of prayer. We're relying on faith, but we're not resting in the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. See, some of us, some of us need to learn to start praying in tongues again. Some of us need to get in and allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. The Bible says it builds you up and it exhorts and it lifts him up and it gets a hold of you and God. And other people may not understand it. That's between you and God. Let's get that right today. Tongues is not the goal. An encounter with God is the goal. But what happens, the reason why we get so weak in our faith is because we think that the crisis, the friction, the opposition is God saying no. We think that when we run into that brick wall, that we face the opposition, it's God saying don't go forward, don't move, don't, don't respond, don't, don't do it. This is, and, and what we're doing is we're allowing the devil's assault to dictate what God has said. We're allowing the enemy to actually determine our battle plan and our next move instead of what the general said. So I'd like to say this today. You need to get a hold of this. God said go until you get a no. The great commission was not don't do this until I give you a yes. The great commission was go we read it last week where the disciples said, don't take any money with you, don't take a change of clothes, don't do anything. And wherever you go, preach the good news about the kingdom until there's a no. 
And see, we, we back up when there's opposition. We're, we're afraid when there is crisis, there is, when there's trouble, when there's friction. See, we view the crisis as the end where God views it as an opportunity. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, Paul says it like this, There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. There's an there's a opportunity in the opposition. In fact, the Chinese have it correct. They have this, they have this word called Ouija. I'm going to ask my wife if I said that correctly. Is that, are, we, are we close am I, or am I too white boy? Yeah, probably too white boy. All right. Um, it, is, it is a word that they have that is a combination of the word crisis and opportunity. When they write their word, when they say that word, what they're saying is that there is always an opportunity where there is a crisis. The crisis is not the end. It's actually an open door for an opportunity. I'm telling someone here today, the battle and the opposition that you're in is not God closing the door. In fact, it's God opening a door to a new realm, a new season, and a new idea that there is an opportunity for you to actually do something for the kingdom. And we say things like this because we're in a crisis. I don't feel like it. Maybe tomorrow I'll get around to it. My prayer is that there would be a holy tenacity that would get on the inside of believers this year that would say, I am ready to seize every moment and I'm going to leave behind the maybe tomorrows. In fact, it's Ephesians that says it like this, Ephesians 5, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most, someone say that with me, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, like seize every moment to do the work of the kingdom in these evil days and understand what the Lord wants you to do. Have you ever read and started a book and you got through chapter one and you're like, this doesn't speak to me? What about, what about, have you ever sat through a message and you get halfway through and you're like, you check out because your Amazon cart on your phone is more important than what you're hearing? And what we do is we end up missing out because I picked up books later and all of a sudden chapter 10 was actually the answer that I needed, but I gave up in chapter 1. There was a podcast recently that I had started a few weeks back and I started listening to it and I just, I turned it off. I'm like, I need something else, turned something else. And this week I turned it back on and I listened through the entirety. The thing that I needed was actually towards the end. And if I, if, and because I didn't listen to the entirety, I missed out on the answer I could have had weeks ago. And I think a lot of us sit through a service and we're like, all right, things are, things are, all right, well, this is, that, that's, that's for somebody else. And we get in our mind and all of a sudden now we're thinking about what's for lunch, what bills we have to pay, what tomorrow's going to hold. We check out our Amazon carts. We, we look through our, our phones on what next is on, on social media, and we miss out on what the Holy Spirit actually wants to say to you. And if you're not careful, you'll leave or you won't show up. And that's the moment that the Holy Spirit's like, I had the answer for you. If you would just listen to the battle plan that I'm laying out. And so we have to seize every opportunity. Don't act thoughtless, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In fact, it's 1 Peter 4 uh, that, that Peter, Peter writes this. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. <laughs> this was written before 2020, just by the way. <laughs> Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, 
Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. I've often wondered why people end up in these crisis modes because they're surprised by the situation. If you're living for Jesus, you're going to have trials. You're going to have hardships. Life is tough. But what I've realized is when I live for Jesus, life may be tough, but I am tougher. Because there's a spiritual strength that comes when I realize I'm not surprised by these things. The opposition is actually the opportunity. And then, I, and, and I don't know if, if people just think that pastors live outside of this room. Like my wife and I, our family, we, we have battled hell. Still battling hell. I, I was, we were looking back at all the things, I mean, all the health stuff that we've gone through. Like, it just seems like wave after wave of opposition and trial and, and testing. And, and it seems like when we get into a battle, I mean, there's just a weight. And then we carry your weight of the battles you're in. And we're praying for our church and we're moving this thing forward. And it gets to the point where it's like, I'm getting tired. Like, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm not going to lower my standard for you because it's tough for you. See, we want, we want God to lower his standard because it seems too tough for us. You go until you get a no. God is not going to lower his standard because you feel like you can't keep going on. His commission Heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take care of the widow, pray, read the Bible, be in his presence. And I'll tell you, the battles and the opposition does not make me want to run away from God, but it has increased a, a holy hunger and desperation to be in his presence. May the opposition that you are facing not cause you to run from your answer, but may it cause you to get into his presence where he and you commune and talk and move through this. God isn't lowering his standard because it's too tough for you. And I've realized that if you live beneath your God-given purpose, it's actually morally irresponsible. It's morally irresponsible if we live beneath the standard that God has placed. The thing that God has said, if you'll rise to the occasion, this is the baseline of what it means. Like, like maybe the reason we're in crisis is because we don't know how to pray. Because we don't open this word. We go, we go to our self-help Facebook forums before we ever turn into the word of God to find out what he says about things. We check the stock market before we ever check Proverbs. We check relationship and dating advice online from psychologists before we ever go back to the Song of Songs or go back to how God loves his church in Ephesians and how men should treat women and how women should treat men and how we should raise families in the love and nurture of God. And in the middle of all of that, he says, if you'll be strong, there are evil days that are coming. But Ephesians 6 says, but if you will stay standing, you're going to make it through the battle. May we, may we not lower our standard because it's too tough for us, but may it cause us to rise to the occasion and say, God, if you're in it, I'm going to go until I get a no. In, in, in our house, in our house, our, our, my kids get annoyed at me and that's fine. That's my job. Parents, that's your job. I annoy your kids, right? But in my house, they get so frustrated with me because when things get tough, when things get hard, when things get difficult, I say three words. In our house, we don't quit. Amen. We don't quit. 
in our things, I know homework's tough today. We don't quit. I know the thing that you're playing or working through. We don't quit. We figure out solutions to the problem. We don't quit. Come on, somebody, will you say it with me? We don't quit. And I believe today that there is a, a strategic move that God wants to give to our church, that we don't quit when there's a crisis. We don't quit when there's opposition. We don't quit when there's friction. But we move forward in a unified effort to see his kingdom come, his will on earth be done. We don't quit. You're never, you'll never be remembered for what you quit on. Come on, life is tough. But you're tougher. You and I have had a lot of conversations lately. And as we were working through something, you asked the question that I had no answer for. And you said, why does this seem to happen all at one time? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no answer to that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me this last week and said, because you are built for the battle... That I've given you. You are actually entrusted with this fight. See, some of us, we think that the battle is God's opposing us when really God has trusted you with the fight that you're in. God has given, watch, watch. All right, fine. We'll go to the Bible. Let's do this. 1 Timothy 1 and 18. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in Satan's battles. May they help you fight well in your emotional strongholds. May they help you fight well when your boss criticizes you, when your spouse disagrees with you, when your kid, no, no, no. May they help you fight well in whose battles? The Lord's battles. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. these aren't your battles. These are God's battles that he's entrusted you to win. And what I've realized is that he could win this battle like that. But he entrusts you with the fight to win the battle that he's given you because there are some battles that he wants to prove to hell that there are people on this earth that can still win the fight that he's entrusted you with oh yeah that fight that you're, I feel the Holy Spirit moving through here this morning. That fight that you're in, it's not by accident. God's like, I've placed you in this fight so that you can win this fight. This fight you need to win for your marriage. This fight you need to win for your kids. This fight you need to win for our city. This fight you need to win for our church. This fight you need to win for yourself. This is the fight that God is giving you. But what did he do? He gave Timothy strategic words before he ever got into the fight. So this week I pulled up, just going through, through stuff, and I pulled up, I pulled up a prophetic word that I had received, uh, went to, went to a, a, a session where, where some of our, kind of our overseers uh, were praying and prophesying over me, and I pulled that up and I listened to 28 minutes of a prophecy given two years ago, and a phrase stuck out to me. And the phrase that was repeated throughout the entire prophecy was this. A great revival is coming when it is bathed in prayer. And it hit me again. So God, you've given strategic words before we ever got into the battle. So that he will help you fight well in the Lord's battles. There are words that have been spoken over your life in the past that are actually meant for you today to rehearse and revisit because it's going to help you fight well today because God already saw what you would be facing yesterday. I had... Uh, I had a dream a few years ago, and uh, I'm, you know me, I'm not spooky or weird, I don't, Holy Spirit's not weird, like I, I've been to weird places, I grew up in weird things, I, 
We don't do weird. Uh, and so I, I, get, I get a little hesitant when, when things like this happen to me, and so I, I, just, I haven't really spoken a lot about it, but I had a dream a few years ago, and uh, in, in the dream, there was, uh, there was this, this figure that had appeared at the foot of my bed, and uh, just it was a, a feminine form, long hair covering her face, and just, you could feel it wasn't, this was not, not God, <laughs> not God, like this is... There's something, something wrong about this, and and everything in my power, I tried. I'm like, you know, get out of my room, you know, and uh, and I said in Jesus' name, and this 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 figure, this feminine figure, jumped in my dream, pounced on me, and started biting my chest, my heart area. Um, I actually woke up and we took pictures because it was an actual physical bite mark on my chest, um, and. Uh, and so I, I was praying about it, and God revealed some things. There was some battles, some strongholds that we were going through. And, and, uh, and then, then God began to, to work, and, and things began to happen, and people were being saved. And it was just one of those strongholds. And last, last week, I believe it was Monday, last week Monday, um, that figure appeared again. Um, this time it was in like a holographic form. Uh, it was no, it, you could tell it wasn't physically there. And the Holy Spirit spoke in that, in that dream and said, she's not dead yet. I woke up and that started several major battles and crisis. And I realized what the Holy Spirit was doing was just warning about what was to come. And there was still a fight that needed to be had, but the Holy Spirit was giving evidence before it ever happened. And so I fully plan on killing that thing once and for all. And that's why I'm going to open up tomorrow with prayer. I've I've continued our 21 days of prayer and fasting for me personally, and I know there's, there's several, several others that are like, I want to continue fasting. Do that. Don't do it for religious purposes. Do it for spiritual breakthroughs. Do it for presence seeking. Do it for the glory of God. Do it so that you can get in touch with God. Don't, don't just do it because it's something that somebody says or, or you want to do it because it sounds good. Jesus said, don't, don't do it that way. The purpose of fasting is not to get God's attention. It's for us to get. It's for us to get a hold of Him. It's not like God, look how good and how much sacrifice I'm making. No, no, no. He's like, there's the cross, so your fasting's not worthy to be compared to the sacrifice of the cross. But fasting is to get me in tune with Him. And so, as as the watchman, as the one, the shepherd who gets to call the shots and gets to direct the, the thing and gets to carry the spiritual weight of this church. I've just decided to, to put on the war garb and go to fight against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, darkness. I've just decided that we're going to be a church that doesn't quit when things get hard. We're going to be a church that doesn't give up when things get difficult. We're not going to give up when there's friction, but we're going to allow the friction to cause a spark that is going to cause a flame that will cause a wildfire. We're not going to give up when there's opposition, but instead we're going to see the opposition as the opportunity because God has strategically placed us in this area for this time so that we can strategically win the war that God has placed us in to fight. God has placed you in it to win it. You have everything in you right now to be more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror with overwhelming victory. God's placed you in it to win it. Romans 8 and 31, I, I don't have time to go through all of this, but in this, in this setting, we love this scripture. Like, like charismatic people love this scripture because in this scripture, 
we're like, he's called me to be more than a conqueror. The NLT says, give us overwhelming victory. And I'm going to ruin it for you today. I'm sorry. Because in the middle of all of it, he says, what are we going to say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And we stop there. We're like, yeah, woo. And then he says something, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us from whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? That's a rhetorical question. No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and he was raised to life and he was sitting at the uh, place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for we are, for our sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Gee, thanks, Paul. What is Paul saying through all of this? He's saying life is tough. You're going to have hardship. It's going to feel like you are going to die. There's moments, and if, and if God did not spare his son, the penalty of death, and how, like, we're going to go through stuff. Life's going to be hard. You're going to face trouble and you're going to face crisis and you're going to face opposition. But what does Paul say through all of it? Does this void the love of God? Even though persecution and trouble and famine and heartache and principalities and powers are trying to snuff out the spark? No. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So who condemns us? Who condemns us? It's not God who condemns us. The rhetorical question is there is nothing on earth or in hell or in heaven that can condemn us except for you. You're the only one that can place the condemnation on yourself because you can live in the condemnation side of worthlessness that you'll never be enough. I have lived with that spirit, feeling not good enough, feeling like I'll never be enough. I've talked about that before. I'm not going to dive into all of that today. But there's a constant war inside of me with that very thought. And when the scripture says, who will condemn us? I go back to what scripture said when Jesus met the woman at the, uh, who was caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before him, caught in sin. The religious leaders throw her down at Jesus' feet and Jesus picks, begins to write in the dust. And then he says things like, you without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they go ahead and walk away. And Jesus looks at the woman who's slain there at his feet and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What is he saying? The religious side can't condemn you. Your sin can't condemn you. I don't condemn you. The only one that has the power to live with worthlessness and the ability to condemn is yourself. So I want to free someone here this morning that living with worthlessness is actually a disgrace and dishonoring to the power of the sacrifice of the cross. Because what you're saying, when I am worthless, when I don't have enough in me, when I can't fight this battle, I'm not strong enough. What you're saying is that the cross was not enough. And I want to say this today. The cross was enough. His blood was enough. The grave was enough. His resurrection was enough. And if he thought you were worth it to die, then you are worth it to live. You are worth it to fight. You are worth it to move forward. We... Don't quit. And the moment, man, come, the moment, the moment you face your biggest fear is the moment that you have overcome fear itself. The opposition is the opportunity. There's a guy by the name of Lou Ferrigno. Anybody know Ferrigno? Yeah. Anybody younger than... I can't even say it anymore. It hurts me. It hurts my pride. This is Lou Ferrigno. Uh, this was, yeah. Uh, Lou, Lou was uh, about 85% deaf. Lou 
grew up in a home where his father was verbally abusive to him, disowned him because of his disability. And because Lou had a problem hearing, he had a problem talking. But Lou, instead of letting the words of his father fall on him and become who he was, he actually allowed the opposition to become the fuel for the opportunity that he was about to be given. Because what Lou did was Lou began to read Marvel comic books. And guess who Lou was drawn to? The Incredible Hulk. The Hulk who would rise up with anger and boom, conquer the world. And Lou began to read about the Hulk. And so Lou decided he would turn his frustrations, his adversity, his problems into going to the gym and working out. To use this as an opportunity to burn through some of this frustration. When my dad says, I'm not good enough, I'm going to pump some iron. When dad says he hates me, I'm going to pump some iron. When I can't really hear what's going on, and I can't really talk, and people are upset because they can't understand what I'm saying, I'm going to go ahead and pump some iron. To the point that Lou was then given the opportunity to actually become the very character that he had been reading about. Given the opportunity to now become the Hulk. Michael Jordan in 1997 championship series tied with the Utah Jazz at 2-2. Got food poisoning. Blue so sick could hardly stand up fatigued worn out and where most athletes today would sit out sit on the bench or lay home in their hotel and watch the game Michael had a different personality he decided I'm going to go ahead and play this game this game matters and in this game dehydrated and weak and worn out hardly able to even stand. He willed himself to 38 points and the win that added to his legend as a clutch performer and relentless competitor. Jordan said about that game, it was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. I almost played myself into passing out just to win a basketball game. But his coach said something different. His coach, Phil Jackson, said that wasn't just any game. It was a finals game. This was a deciding game for the end. And Jackson said this was a heroic effort. And it's one that's going to add to the collection of efforts that make up his legend. Opposition's the opportunity. Jordan didn't play, that doesn't go down. You're never remembered for what you quit. You're remembered for what you push through, what you persevere, what you win. Jordan could have sat home, could have said, I'm too sick for this, too worn out, but there was something inside of him that said, I am faithful to the game. It's not just any game. This is the finals game. Church of 2024, this is not just any fight. This is a finals fight. And I am determined. Chad and I were talking about this yesterday. I am determined that this area has not had a revival because generations have counted on other generations to see it happen. like the fight has intensified especially in our life not because we have been willing to sit back and just go through the motions but because we have been willing to engage the fight that God has entrusted us to fight we love our town we love our city 
we get involved in those projects. We get involved in serving because we believe in the future of our town. We love our schools, so we get invested in our schools. We love our teachers, and so we bless them. We love our administration, so we bless them. We get a part of these things because we're not just a church. We are a movement. And here this morning, there is a battle plan God is laying out for some of you. You have been so worn out, fighting through things, wrestling through things. And in the fight, you've been condemning yourself that you're worthless, you're not enough, you can't do it. But I've been sent with a mission to tell you that the fight you're in, God has entrusted you to fight and to win because you have everything inside of you right now. You don't need God to lower his standard for you to win the fight that you're in. You don't need God to lessen the load of the fight you're in for you to win. You have enough strength, power, tenacity, energy, drive, spirituality with inside of you right now to win the fight that you're in. So I say may the opposition come because it's an opportunity to show God's power, His glory, and His might. Two boys. lived with an abusive dad, told him they were worthless, not enough, in and out of their life. One boy went to prison, the other boy went to be a success in the business world. Interview, interviewer interviewed the boy in prison and said, hey, how, how come you're in here? He's like, my dad was abusive, he left, he, he did all kinds of crazy things. I, how could I not end up here? The boy who was a success, they interviewed him and said, hey, how, how did you end up successful? Your brother's in prison, your dad's abusive and a drunk, like how did you end up here? And he looked at the interviewer and he said, how could I not? Because what you do with the opposition is going to determine the outcome. Are you going to allow the opposition to ruin you to a place that you are imprisoned by your own thoughts and your own condemnation and your own worthlessness? Or are you going to allow the opposition to build within you a tenacity and a drive that by all means I am not going down I am going to fight I'm going to use the adversity as the fuel source for my spark will you stand with me all over this room someone needs to hear this today this is the word that you've been waiting for right here you don't have to prove your worth just need to learn how to accept it. You don't need to prove your worth. You need to start accepting it. And once you accept your worth, what would you be willing to risk if you didn't have to worry about your worth? willing to risk if you didn't have to worry about your worth. If your worth is settled in Christ Jesus, you will risk anything. We here believe that we will do anything short of sin to reach one more because one more matters. Let's bring the creativity. Let's win people until all of Rathrum and beyond knows Jesus. What would you be willing to risk? I think a lot of us hold back because we're worried about our worth. The opposition gets inside of us. And Ephesians 6 says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And what I've realized is this, I don't have to find my worth by accomplishing anything. I accomplish my mission because I have found my worth. partners, would you join me today? I don't know about you.
about you, but I'm, I'm desperate for God to move. I'm hungry for that. I'm desperate for God to restore some things, and I just, I just feel like God wants to renew and rejuvenate some of your mental toughness today, your spiritual toughness, and your emotional toughness today. You have felt like faith has made you weak, but today God says, in your weakness, I am made strong. You have what it takes in you right now to win the fight that you are in. So today, I just wonder if there's anybody that is hungry and desperate for God to move in your life and for Him to restore and rejuvenate the mental, spiritual, and emotional toughness within you to restore your worth. You're not what other people have said. You're not what you've condemned yourself to be. And if that is you this morning, our house lights are going to come down and I'm going to ask, would you be bold enough, brave enough? Would you take a step out of your seat? Would you fill this altar area up? Say, I'm hungry for God. I'm desperate for Him to move. God, would you restore the toughness for the fight within me? Some of you need to revive the prophetic words that have been spoken to you, the prayers, the words God has given you. Because it's for moments like this so that you may fight well in the Lord's battles. Father, in this house today, there are people that are right now on that very line, on that edge. There's a war with inside of them that they've had so much negativity spoken over them that then when they hear something like this, they don't believe it because of the doubt that has been invested into their life for years. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would break that off of them today. May worthlessness fall and may spiritual toughness arise within them. Father, the weak things that we feel today, the powerless things that we feel to fight, the, the, the worn out, burned out, emotionally drained things that we're going through, I pray for a renewing and a reviving and a rejuvenation to come within them, that they would realize that they have everything in them right now to win the fight that they are in. Today, Father, may they realize we go until we get a no, that we don't quit, and you have placed us in this fight to win it. Holy Spirit, I pray that there would be a hunger, a desperation, and a drive that would get inside of folks today, that would say, I am so desperate for a move of you, that I will do anything to find you, to meet with you, to soak in your presence. God, I'm so tired of dealing and battling with this myself. Holy Spirit, reveal my worth today. Renew the drive to fight again today. And may the opposition in my life become the opportunity that others will see the glory of God in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.